Tweet Talk, episode 23. It's lit. Ooh, we back. We got to call it Eat Talk because I got to eat dinner and talk at the same time. <laughs> oh, man. This is how we go on Tweet Talk. This is what we do. Got rid of the drinking, but the eating fat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not the average podcast. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're back. Rafael and Charles, we're back. We missed a week last week. But we're back. And um, I see the mobile barbershop is up and running. Yeah, man. Heads, right? Making some money, finally. I it's a it, process. Man. Man. So many of us don't own businesses, but act as though we know how this stuff is supposed to happen, when it's supposed to happen, how fast it's supposed to happen, and we rush the process. And a lot of this is just kind of letting it take place, just letting it kind of come to fruition. And so we've just been waiting, putting in some work and then waiting and not trying to rush it. Sometimes when we rush things, we can ruin things. And so we're just kind of letting it manifest itself and um, it's growing. That's good, man. Glad to hear it, man. So, wait, how do, um, how do people in the Atlanta, it's in the Atlanta area, right? Mobile barbershop? Yep. How do people get, how do people get, how do people know about, how do people make appointments, whatever? Right now, it's just all being ran through the barber. So, however he does it, he goes and he puts it, he drops it off at different places. And, he goes to different hotspots. I don't think he has it systematized how he needs to have it systematized. He needs to have his own Instagram, social media presence. We need to have flyers out. We need to have a, a scheduled time that we're going to be at certain places. That'll help take it to the next level. I think our goal now is just to kind of get it going to the point where it's actually working, meaning that it can go from point A to point B. And then as we kind of grow, we'll improve it. I said earlier today, I was like, man, a lot of people think that just because I don't have a plan at the outset that there's no plan. Like, there's a plan. We're going to get there. The plan kind of builds itself as we go along. So right now, it's kind of like just fly by night. We're just out there. We're just, we're just kind of just running the truck. And then I think as we kind of figure out what works, we'll, we'll improve the, uh, upon the process. Cool, man. Uh, I think uh, you go ahead and make it. Make it some money. So that's, uh, that's the first step. Definitely the first step. So let's jump into some tweets. So you tweeted, uh, the more skilled and valuable you become, the more obvious entrepreneurship is. Mmm. That's a bar. You're, um, you're, you're chopping up a little bit, but... One thing I'll say is that as you get older in life, success comes two different ways. Either success is going to come by you moving up in the ranks at where you are, meaning that you become a partner, you become the CEO, or you're so skilled and so successful that you can branch out on your own. And so what I was saying is that like, as you become really, really good at something, you're leaving money on the table by having a job. And so 
you have to at that point then take your skills to the market, which is great. And so for me, I was just kind of, I was realizing like in the beginning, you work to learn. A lot of people would like, that's one of the very first concepts of the book Rich Dad Poor Dad is wealthy people work to learn, not to earn. And so you have people who take on those, those internships or you have people who take on a job and they realize like, bro, like they taught me everything I need to know about this business. I can go and I can do consulting or I can start my own company or I can do whatever I need to do on the side to make some extra money. And so just like, as you become more skilled, you got to take your skills and start marketing them at the actual, like we said, the billable rate, as opposed to your hourly rate, your hourly rate is what your job pays you. They pay you $40 per hour. Your billable rate is what they charge to the client, which is $120 per hour. $120 per hour is a $250,000 income per year. But you are over here making $80,000 per year. And then what your job does is they take that other 40 and they use it to pay the overhead. They take the other 40 and they use it to pay the partners. As you become skilled enough to take your skills directly to market, then you make that entire 120 and then you pay your little 40 in overhead. So you make sure you have office space and then you keep the 80. What's amazing is I, um, I mentioned this tweet. I, I reposted the Cheyenne tweet and he was talking about how, um, if you're good at something, do it for free until you become a master at it and then charge. And a lot of people, they hear that, um, the Joker quote, and they're saying, if you're good at something, never do it for free. And I like it, but it's wrong because you have to be a master at something in order to really charge people. We have a lot of people out there who are learning on somebody's dime. I actually turned away a client this week. I gave them their money back and it was not a little bit of money because I told them, I don't feel like as though I'm fully competent in this task. Therefore, I would actually rather lose this money than step into liability by doing it wrong. So the way that I do things like that is I say, you know what, let me set up an organization. I'll do these transactions for free for 15 people in various states. And at that point in time, I'll be a master and then I can charge whatever I want to charge. And so you have to become great. And then as you become great and as the demand starts to flow in, then you can start justifying a high wage as opposed to setting your prices super high and then begging your friends and family to support your business. No, bro, if you have no clients, you have to demand your prices at the level of your demand. Then as your demand increases, your price should increase, but not until you have demand that outstrips your supply. Economics 101, Tweet Talks. Economics is so dope. If you know economics, you can understand a lot of stuff. For example, housing in California. If you understand just basic fundamental economics, you can understand that these prices don't make sense. You can understand these rents don't make sense. You can understand that it's not sustainable. And that is important because if you don't understand that, you start hopping in and you start buying stuff you should not be buying. You start selling stuff you should not be selling. You start making bad uh, moves in regards to your investments just because you don't understand simple economic principles. So what do you think they're overbuilding? Uh, you think that everybody just doesn't understand economics? Um, really? I think that they're overbuilding because everybody makes money different ways in real estate. Everybody's not built. Everybody's not making money off the exit strategy, like the developer. So the construction guys make money, whether it sells or not. 
the lenders make money whether it sells or not. The lenders, they don't care. They just want to make the loan. They want to make their numbers. The so there's competing interest in that stuff. I think that's the reason why. And you also have people who they might have rose-colored glasses on, or they might just be operating from a, a space of privilege where they don't understand. Like there's literally people out here who can't afford this shit you're building, and there's more than people than not. I think that's one of the things, but I'm not exactly sure why. Oh, I see you saying. But I mean, we've seen it in in Southern California. Um, downtown San Diego was ahead of Los Angeles in doing all their building. And now, for the longest time, like you couldn't afford anything in downtown San Diego. Now you can. They have stuff selling for like 300 grand and less. They're just giving that shit away in downtown San Diego because the prices weren't sustainable given the amount of supply that was coming online and the lack of demand. California is not an attractive place to live for business purposes. There are people who live outside of California and make more than people who live in California, but their cost of living is lower. How does that make any sense? It doesn't make any sense. That's why it's not sustainable. That's when prices come tumbling down because it's not sustainable. Right. And then uh, maybe get to scraping downtown LA. So. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right, so you, also, you said paying people is inspiring. The more people they pay, the bigger I am. 100%, man. I think that a lot of times entrepreneurs, specifically black entrepreneurs, they stay small because they want to do it all. And they want to do it all because they want to keep all the money to themselves. And it's like this cycle. It's just the greed cycle keeps you small. I want to keep all this whole pie to myself. Therefore, I'm not going to pay somebody. Therefore, I can't focus on the other things. Whereas if I'm paying you to do property management, that means I don't have to focus on property management, which then means I can focus on growing the business. Um, you look at like, when they start valuing companies or they look at like the size of your company, look at how many employees do you have? The, the difference between a big business and a small business is 500 employees or less. That means that if you have more employees, you're making more money. People think that you just make money based off of being LeBron James and be this ultra high value person. No, you make money by having people work for you. The people, excuse me, the people at Google, the people at Netflix have very, very, intelligent and competent people working for them, making them make more money, doing work for them, giving them their ideas, giving them their skills, their time, their effort, their energy, their intellect. That is what makes you rich. It's like having a bunch of slaves. And I don't mean to say it that way, but it is. You have people that work to make you richer. And that's what I realized, like, yeah, it should be an equal exchange, but if I'm to grow, I have to employ people. If I'm to grow, I have to have uh, employees. I have to have um, tenants. I have to have customers. I have to have all these different things of things that are propping me up and building up the image and the brand that is me. And so I just found that like, it's a, it's a struggle sometimes to have to pay somebody else. But it's like that quote where he says, I would rather make 1% off of a hundred people's efforts than 100% off of my own effort. And that's where African-American investors need to get 
And that's where African-American business owners and entrepreneurship, entrepreneurs need to get, where we're thinking scale, not just thinking get money. We're thinking like growth. We're thinking expansion. We're thinking bigger. We're thinking creating jobs. That's what I told somebody like, this year we're creating jobs. Because if I create jobs, that means that I'm on the opposite end of the hourly wage for billable wage. If I'm creating a job, that means I created somebody who makes $40 an hour, which means I make $40 an hour for doing nothing times as many employees as I have. And that's why it's empowering because if I'm paying you, I'm paying myself. I'm not going to just be paying you. I'm not getting anything out of it. Right. So uh, the, the other tweet you put out, uh, sometimes I wish I could just work for Star Capital and not be Star Capital. Right. Um, we got to get to the point, and I think we've discussed this on this show, where the business stands on its own, where I'm not the business. People aren't coming to me. They're coming to this entity and this organization that just happens to have been started by me. And that's kind of where I'm trying to get to. Um, it, it just will make things a lot easier. And I think that's where it needs to go. That's when wealth becomes transferable. And you get there by creating systems. You get there by creating processes and procedures whereby people can answer a question without having to answer, ask me. And we see that on the real estate side. A lot of times people will ask a question and Cedric will uh, chime in with the answer or whoever else will chime in with the answer. Andre will chime in with the answer. Um, and the same thing is true kind of with the, the, the investment club for stocks. Like people can answer for me. You have to duplicate yourself. And so that's kind of what I've been looking to do is to duplicate myself, which will allow me to expand. The craziest thing about it is seeing all this stuff that's been created just out of ideas that came out of my head where it's like, wow, like we got a lot of shit going. We got a barbershop. We got all this property. We have multiple podcasts. We have a blog. We have social media and all of this just like ideas that came out of my head that all came out of these books that I've been reading. But it's just crazy, like, what you can create. So my goal is to, and I was talking to my mom, like, we've been doing this for some time. And at first, we just wanted to make, like, I tell people, like, I don't come from a family of a lot of rental property owners. So for me, just seeing somebody pay us, that's mind-blowing. And they've been paying us for a long time. And they've been paying us and allowing us to buy bigger properties. And so now that we know that it works, now it's time to business it. Now it's time to systematize it. Now it's time to organize it. Now it's time to like say, okay, we've seen that this happens. So that means we got to establish procedures and policies that are going to allow us to do this. And that allows us to then turn it into the organization that is tied capital instead of the organization that is Charles that happens to be tied capital. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's also like you said, uh, another tweet, business ownership is power. Got to build your own. I, um, it's so crazy. I was at the doctor's office and, um, I was, they were, they were talking about like this play, the first black play that, or it was like the first black screenplay. And they showed the flyer is this, is this movie called, uh, the homesteader. And at the very top, it said, this theater is not segregated. Black people can sit wherever they want to sit. And I was like, hmm. So black people own it, 
Therefore, black people dictate what goes on inside of it. Like, we always thought that you get to you get to integrate integration by begging the government. But if you look at history, you see that they got to integration by just owning shit. And that's not the only example that I had. I had another example. I can't think of what it was. But basically what I realized is that ownership is power. Like, and that's why we got to focus on doing for self instead of not doing for self and asking somebody else to do for us. Not because being a business owner gets you rich. Not because being a business owner um, lets you buy Rolls Royces and all those different things. Like, no, because all the stuff that you're begging the government to, to do for you comes when you own. Torrent said it today. When you own the property, you control the conversation. You dictate who is the police officers there. You dictate what the property taxes are. You dictate who the politicians are. I saw a quote in this book that I'm reading, the Black Fortunes book. I think you recommended it. Great book. Um, but yeah. she said, oh, yeah, I you reading she said, one wealthy person is worth a thousand politicians. That's crazy because we don't believe that. We believe that the politicians are the end all be all. But if we were to have, if you were to take, let's take those numbers. And if we had a hundred wealthy black people, that's a million politicians. I think a hundred times, no, it's like a hundred thousand politicians. I'm ignorant. That's like a hundred thousand politicians. Our focus needs to change. And the crazy part about it is when I was reading these books, I started to realize like, first and foremost, this is history that they never taught us. But second, it's all in books. In this book, several times they mentioned that Republicans were usually the people who were actually advocating for black people, whereas Democrats were usually the racists and the, the, the Confederates were, and the Southerners were mostly Democrats, like the Dixiecrats. And what I realized is that people don't know that because it's in a book. But the crazy part about it to me is that these people are so good that they're still against you. They just convince you that they're for you. And they don't realize that like the things that you even think are for you are actually not for you. And so like, basically what I'm saying is they're like wolves in sheep clothing and they hide in plain sight, meaning that they're actually advocating policies that are actually to your detriment, but they make it sound like it's to your benefit. And you don't realize that really nothing's changed. Like it's still Democrats ultimately bring African-Americans down, whereas Republicans actually build us up. But, and I bring this up because I was on Instagram and I saw like at Clark Atlanta, they, they hosted Elizabeth Warren and they're so happy. Elizabeth Warren, blah, 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 blah. Everybody hates Trump. Everybody hates Kanye. But like who's actually doing things like since Trump has been president, there's been more black wealth created in these last four years than all the eight years of Obama. It's just insane. I don't know why it is but it's insane. Maybe because people feel like their back's against the wall, but it's really happening in real life. And so I got off on a tangent, but usually when I go off on tangents, it creates fire content. So I know that last few sentences yeah. was fire. And next week. <laughs> so Let's take a quick break. The next week is
reading stretches your thinking. Uh, you said what? Reading stretches your thinking. It does, man. It really does. Um, one of the one of the reasons why I like this book, Black Fortunes, is because it digs deep. So they're talking about Robert Church right now, and it's been like multiple chapters across Robert Church. Quite honestly, this book just might be about just him. Um, they touched on a lot, a lot of other people, like the guy from Haiti, the first black person to make like the wealthiest guy in New York at one point in time. But it really digs in on the Robert Church guy, and he was talking about how when all this bad stuff happened in Memphis, every time something bad happened, he bought real estate. Every time. Like yellow fever on oh, buying a property. Oh, uh, uh, a riot and, and they, they burned down all the business. Okay, I'm buying more property. Like every time something like a crisis happened, he just bought a bunch of homes. And what was impressive to me is like, that's what we're doing in Detroit. And people think we're crazy. And I know that we're brilliant, but now we have 20 doors. And if we're smart, we'll keep gobbling up even more doors because in, the, in, a, in, a, in a few years, we're going to be looking like some geniuses. Like, like Nipsey said, about to make my partners look like effing geniuses. And so it really does stretch your thinking. Like as you're reading, you're thinking, and you're applying it to your life, which then allows you to like create new ideas and double down on ideas that you already have. Reading is like an exercise for your brain where you have to focus on the words, you have to think because you're usually not reading out loud. So it's like actually like stretching your brain versus when, because you have to kind of like put the image in your brain as well. Whereas if you're watching TV, they're giving you the image, they're giving you the voices, they're giving you all that stuff. And so you're just kind of taking what they're giving you as opposed to exercising your brain. And then as you exercise your brain, you be- your brain becomes stronger, which then allows you to create more wealth for your family. It also exposes you to different things. For example, I mean, I never really thought about Memphis, um, but I'm learning about Memphis. There's a lot of wealth created in San Francisco. Um, it really, it, I think that it, is, it allows you to level up. And it's, it's truly the hack. And I haven't just seen it in my life. Like as I promote it, I've seen it in other people's lives. A lot of people on the internet, like they've been reading more. You can see the success that they're having. Um, it, 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 if you live your whole life, there's this quote um, in the Rich Dad Poor Dad book where he was talking about how wealthy people don't get rich in the nine to five. They get rich in the, in the off hours. They get rich in the, in the margins. And... The crazy part about it is if you don't know any wealthy people, you would never know that. And most of us don't know any wealthy people. But through a book, you can know a wealthy person. Through a book, you can know how this person that you never even knew existed grew up and what he did to get to where he was. And that's why reading is so important. Is it, it, it takes you to places that you couldn't go. And those places and that exposure expands you, which then allows you to tap into different things in life. Yeah, so just to remind everybody that that book, Black Fortunes by Shamari Will, that's a good one, really good one. It is. It's great. It, it doesn't. It kind of came out of nowhere, and the cover is kind of cheesy, so yeah. it kind of can cause you to overlook it. But it is fire. I can't wait to listen to more of it tonight. And what I do is I like to listen to books and read them along along the way, because 
sometimes if you're just listening, you can kind of glance over stuff. And so I like to kind of do both, but, and then highlight it. I can kind of share it on the internet and all that stuff. So I recommend that as well. Sometimes you can get it for free and sometimes you got to buy it. And sometimes it's worth buying it. And this time I just bought it. I was like, oh, I'm going to spend the 10 bucks and buy the book alongside of it. <laughs> oh, so you got the, oh, I got you. You got the Audible and the, and the actual book. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right now I'm, um, I'm funny reading the uh, Black Titan, the AC Gaston uh, story. It's a good one too, huh? Yeah, that's a good one. I love, uh, what? Everybody listen, pick up that one too, Black Titan, the story of AC Gaston. What do you like about it? Um, I haven't gone too far into it yet, but I mean, the guy from what I see so far, he he did not quit. He believed in hard work, and he recognized opportunity everywhere he saw it. Man. Everywhere he saw, it, he saw it. he jumped on opportunity. Right. I love I love that he made his money solving problems for black people. Like. If banks wouldn't lend to black people, he started a lending institution. Banks wouldn't, or financial insurance companies wouldn't give black people insurance. Well, I have life insurance for you. Funeral homes, he did that. Um, he was selling lunches when they wouldn't sell food to them. Like, and that's why I always tell people <coughs> that all of our problems <coughs> are wealth opportunities. <coughs> all of them. We are sitting on a gold mine. When you read the book, Acres of Diamonds, that is our Acres of Diamonds, is all the things that you complain about. That is a diamond. All the things that you say that somebody should be doing for us, that is a diamond. All the things that you want the government to provide for you is a diamond. All the things you want white people to do for you, diamond, and we're sitting on them. And we're just like, ah, I need to go to the NFL to get my diamonds. Ah. I need to go rap to get my diamonds. I need a record deal. I need this. I need that. No, fam. Solve the problems in your community. You need a grocery store? Find a way to create a grocery store. You need a laundry service? Find a way to create one. You need utilities? Find a way to create that too. Anything can be created and sold in America. That's what makes America great. (coughs) Man, I don't know why I keep getting sick. Need another um, education cabal. I guess so. Man, this is crazy. <laughs> it's like it's hurting my head when I cough, too. That's not good, man. So, I don't know. Did you see the story um, about the banker? They absolutely canceling it, man. Yeah, I saw that. The banker movie. Um, I, I feel like it could create an opportunity. Um, if these guys are smart, they'll just pivot. The Baker movie isn't the only story we can tell that's inspiring. And we've already seen that people want to see that stuff and they don't want to see any more slave stories. Therefore, given, and, the, and they're going to pay for it too. These people, they spend big money. They're about to give big money to Apple. So maybe it's a blessing in disguise. I got I, I'm the kind of person as an optimist, I always see the win in every situation. So instead of us being sad about some movie called The Banker, 
a story that none of us ever really heard of and probably would have had a bad ending in the, anyway. Let's go and create another story. Let's go tell the story of A.G. Gaston, H.R. Wells Russell. Let's go tell the story of Reginald Lewis. Let's go tell the story of Robert Church. There's people out there who have bought real estate and didn't even have to do it that way. They just bossed up like Robert Church. They just bossed up like H.R. Russell. Like, let's tell those stories. We are not short of stories of black success and greatness. There is an abundance of black stories of success and greatness because the book I'm reading right now, a big part of the reason why I kind of held off on reading it is because I, I figured they were going to tell stories I've already heard because I've read um, Wealth Choice. I've read um, Think and Grow Rich, a black choice that are filled with black success stories in business and finance and real estate. But even still, I'm still learning about other people that I had no idea about, which tells me that we don't need the banker movie at Apple Plus. Maybe that's, maybe that's a signal that we got to continue to double down on our own. We have unlimited streaming platforms. We could put it right on Netflix. We could put it right on our own damn streaming platform. We got to boss up. One of the things that I love about China is China didn't even let you mess with American companies. China's like, oh, they got a Facebook? Cool, we got a, 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 a Facebook. Oh, they got a Twitter? Cool, we got a Twitter. And don't even mess with their Facebook or their Twitter. Like, nah, fam, like stay over here and use our own apps. They have their own app for everything. And yeah, they might copy the IP, but they don't pay white people. They're like, no, we're going to create our wealth and keep it for our own. We're like, man, they got the better app. It's faster. I like Airbnb because their app is pretty. Meanwhile, you're giving them all their fees, giving them all this money. Like, folks got to wisen up and realize, like, this is really war. And we're really on team. And y'all out here supporting the opposing team and then wondering why you're getting your ass kicked. So I say all that to say that it's not a loss. It's a lesson. And if we pivot and we, and we intelligently move forward, we can be telling more stories like that. Because like I just said, people want to people see it. People want to watch it. People want to be inspired. People want to hear about black people that aren't just slaves and out here getting uh, talked too crazy and getting called the N-word and getting called all this crazy stuff. Like they want to hear good stories and we have good stories. And it's up to us. It, it, it doesn't even have to be Tyler Perry who does it because I don't even want to give Tyler Perry the right to say yes or no. I believe we got to say yes or no, and we got to just make moves to tell our own stories. <clears throat> and it's going to get better. Like, you look at, like, Nollywood, and people always criticize, like, oh, Nollywood, this, but they're, they're killing it now. They got movies on Netflix, and they're just going to – you get better as you go along. We all want to be where people ended up. And I put this tweet out earlier. I was like, we are over here saying, I want my podcast, or I want my this to be, like, what their company is 20 years from now. We don't realize like it takes 20 years to be 20 years old. Therefore your lingerie company might not be forever 21 levels yet or whatever that's Victoria's secret levels yet, but in 20 years it will be. So focus on the 20 year process, not on the 20 month process. Your real estate company might not be where Blackstone is now, but that's a 40, 50 year old company and 40 and 50 years old. If you keep getting rental income and scaling, you're going to be where they are. But if you keep quitting because you're not there at four months, your barbershop's not where theirs is in, in four months, then you're going to lose. you got to play the long game. The holding period is forever. Never sell. Yeah, and it's, it's funny what you said. Um, I think the bank movie – no, I'm pretty sure the bank movie ends badly for them anyway. I'm right. I'm sure they go to jail. It's some yeah. bullshit. And that's – 
I think the real story they do go to jail. So. Exactly. So it's like, why, like, why do we gotta hear? Why do we gotta watch movies with a bad ending? I don't like, man. Yeah. We don't need to see that. It, it doesn't. It all that is going to do is discourage somebody. Like, oh, it's fantasy. Oh man, they could have won. Oh, all right, go back and be poor. Like, no, like, let's go watch something with a purpose. No other community is going to keep watching their self get their ass kicked. We are not losers. We are not incapable. We are not incompetent. We are more than competent. We are more than intelligent. And if we keep letting people paint us as such, we're going to continue to think that we are what we aren't. Yeah. And also, now I'm thinking about it. Why do we have to wait for these random movies about some great person that comes along every maybe every couple of years if we're lucky. Why aren't we writing, like, if we're on true stories to be told, why aren't we just writing stories in the meantime? Yep. Yep. Because we're waiting on Apple to, to do the work for us. That's the reason why. Instead of going out there and shooting the camera and just making it do what it do <clears throat> with the budget that you have, I know a girl who, um, she actually has the ability to do these things. She's done a few little short clips, and I'm kind of like what um, that's what um, that's how Issa Rae got put on. Issa Rae, instead of waiting to get put on, she put herself on. She created a YouTube series. It was shot with like handheld cameras and poorly edited, and now she's on HBO. Now she's about to have her own video, her own movies coming out. Like you got to start with what you have, man. Start with what you have, build up, grind, create a brand for yourself, create a name for yourself, and then you look up and you're doing big-time stuff. But if you never start because you aren't where at big-time levels yet, you'll never get to big-time levels. It's kind of like um, David Banner, the same thing. He's like when he was out shopping for deals trying to get somebody to sign him, he couldn't get anybody to sign him. And so, But when he started putting out his own tapes, people started paying attention. When people start seeing that you're going to do it, with or without their cosign, they start paying attention. If people see that you're going to start making great movies about your own people, with or without their help, they're going to start paying attention. And we have to be willing to tell our stories whether they like it or not. Like, it's not their responsibility to like our shit. Like, we don't really like when they put all these good stuff about them and bad stuff about, them, bad stuff about us, but who gives a fuck? You got to do what's right for your people, whether people agree or not. We'll be right back. This is Elwood of Mindset Matters Tees. We offer merchandise with quotes that help shape your mindset. You can find us at www.mindsetmatterstees.com. Yep. And you said... Um... It's amazing what black folks can do when they look to themselves to solve their problems instead of the government. You already touched on that a little bit, but Yes, sir. We can do it all, man. There's nothing, there's nothing that we can't do. And if you look at our history, if you read the books, if you do the education, as Kanye would say, you would realize that there's nothing that we can't do, man. <clears throat> right, right, right. You said, uh, say this one, the more money that goes around, the bigger you grow. I think I took that from a podcast and they were just talking about how like 
as you pay people big money, they tend to become more committed to your organization. I was, um, <clears throat> and the more committed they are, the, the more, the harder they work and the harder they work, the bigger you grow. But I was, we were talking about that at the office today. Um, our firm has a lot of turnover. People leave because they're just not happy, not satisfied or whatever. And um, he made one of the guys, he's from Detroit, who works in our office now. He's a lawyer from Detroit. And he was talking about how like at Quicken Loans, people are more committed to the company because he pays them very, very well. And so what I realized is like, if I want people to work hard for me, which will then in turn make me a lot of money, I got to pay them well. I can't pay them pennies. I can't treat them like slaves and try to lower their wages and dog them out. Um, I got to, I got to spread the money around. <clears throat> so for example, like even with like Donald, the voice, like he gets paid very well to do what he does. Um, and I realized like, if I'm not creating high, high salaries, I'm not making any money. If you look at those billionaires, like Bill Gates, Google, those tech billionaires, they're billionaires, but they have employees that make good money. Like entry level salary at Apple and Facebook is like at least six figures, if not more. That's why the prices are so high at uh, in Silicon Valley because they get paid so well. And so you got to put yourself in position where not we're not just creating a job, but we're creating good jobs because that's what really can allow your community to thrive. I don't just want to create a bunch of low income jobs because low income jobs they're going to create slums. It's going to create bad employees. It's going to create bad habits. It's going to create a bad community. I need to be creating high income jobs. I got to be paying people. I can't be hoarding all the profits to myself. Like people don't realize this, but as you give, you grow. As you, as you spread love, you grow. The reason why our social media grows, our podcast grows, all these things grow is because we give away value. We give away education. We give away knowledge and people are drawn to it. And then our stature grows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You also said, and um, Provado Life was saying we should talk about this on Speed Talk. Imagine how many less poor folks and homeless if folks just linked up and built. Yeah, man. Um, I forgot what I was looking at when I got this, but I think I might have saw like some homeless people like working together on a on a on something. But <clears throat> one of the things that holds people back is because they can't afford to, to hire employees. But if they had employees, they could do so much more work. Their business could grow. They could take on more clients, all that stuff. In the Asian community, what a lot of times they'll do is somebody will start a business and then somebody will go work for their business for free. They won't charge them. They'll just be working in the business waiting tables, working in the front, doing all that kind of stuff to grow the business because they know the business is bigger than just one person. If you get a successful business, most people, multiple people benefit from that business. Your managers benefit, your employees benefit, your producers benefit, your customers benefit. And so we have all these homeless people in Los Angeles, predominantly African-American homeless people who are just like, like shiftless. They're doing nothing. And I look at them like, man, like, like do something. And what I find is like, if you're homeless, you're not making any money. You could actually work for below minimum wage and still be good. That would actually be a leg up for you. So imagine if you go take your below minimum wage and you go work for somebody who's running a startup, then that allows them to amplify themselves, grow their business, scale their business, 
which then allows them to circle back and increase your wages to where they should be. But the business does that after it gets off the ground. So if we need to link up more, contribute our time and our effort and our intellect, because it's not just the money that grows business. I always talk about this, but it's called the labor theory of value, meaning that every dollar is quantified in labor. So let's say, for example, you think you need $100,000 to start your business. Well, you just need $100,000 worth of labor. So your community can contribute that to your business, your enterprise. They can post flyers for you. They can market for you. They can advertise for you. They can uh, slap the labels on the shirt for you. They can invest their time, energy, and effort, and we all have it, into your enterprise. Slaves didn't come over here with bags of money. They came over here with their labor. They came over here with their manpower. Your manpower is worth something. Your intellect is worth something. And if we would just contribute our intellect and our manpower, our communities would look better. It's not money, fam. It's not money. Mm. All right, so let's, let's jump into the last tweet they got here. Put an access in your kid's name over putting liabilities and expenses in your kid's name. 100%. 100%. Um, that's something I say all the time. Um, because, you know, so many people, there's that joke like, oh, you got the electricity bill in your kid's name or the gas bill in your kid's name, and now he has bad credit. And I, and I was like, let's shift that. Let's start putting assets in our kids' names. Let's start putting buildings in our kids' names, not just bills in our kids' name. Let's start actually, like, setting kids up to win instead of just positioning them to lose. And a lot of kids are positioned to lose because their parents kind of see them as a burden and not a blessing. Their parents kind of like, like they didn't have them with the, the, the goal of setting them up to win. They just kind of like had them and they're like, well, I guess I got to raise you now. Like, no fam. It's like, you get to raise them. Your kids, I told my mom this, like your kids are supposed to start where you end up, not where you started. If your kids start where you started, you failed. And a lot of people are raised like that. They're raised to, and then they're like, oh, well, I had to get it myself. You got to get it yourself too. Meanwhile, they're out there competing. And I've seen this. I was in law school. And law school, a lot of those kids are being funded by their parents. I know people still to this day, they're funded by their parents. The only reason why they're in that space is because they're funded by their parents. The only reason why I got to where I was is because I was funded by my parents in a lot of ways. And so... I just find that I started looking at like my cousins and some other people that I know. And I was like, the only difference is I have parents who cared. We had the same grandparents. We had the same grandmother, the same skin color. The only difference is my mom just was like, I'm not going to let you fail. I'm going to invest in you. I'm going to give in you and I'm going to prop you up to the point where you can win. And that's why I win. And now that's why I'm able to position my child to win because Somebody did it for me. But yeah, the cycle got to start somewhere. That's the shift that, yeah, that's the shift you need to take. Yeah. When I ask to see in kids' names, creating custodial accounts, stock accounts for the kids, putting the names on uh, real estate, got to do it. Open trust accounts for the future racks. Neighborhood knit. Gotta do it, man. 
Yeah, it's kind of like um, um, I know you saw this one when they said Nas put his daughter's name on one of his albums like 20 years ago as executive producer so she could get royalty checks. Right. Yeah, I saw that. Wow, that's crazy. Smart. He was on it to come back then. Anyway, let's wrap it up. So for those listening, follow us on Twitter so you can see these tweets. At Todd Billy. T-O-D-D-B-I-L-L-I. Follow me, Raphael, at Worth Money Life. Follow us on Instagram. You got at Todd Millionaire. At Todd Investments. Got at Blackwell Tweet Talk. That's the podcast. IG. At Black, Black, Black Man. Yeah, out here. All over the place. Oh, and also. If I offended anybody, I'm actually happy with that. There, um, you know, I, I feel like there's somebody who listened to the podcast. They're like, oh, I ain't messing with him no more. And I was like, great, because that's exactly what I do. <laughs> I, my strategy has always been to bring in the people who think like I think and believe what I believe and push away the people who don't. So, yeah, you can check us out. Also, shout out to all the podcast sponsors at Hood Estates, at I'm an Investor, at Erica Classy Climb, at 24-7 Watches, at 17th Watches. Also check out Donald The Voice. Um, yeah, great things are happening. Also check out the store, www.gumroad.com backslash capital. Also check out HBCU Capital. You can find the links all in the bio. It's lit. Yep. Tweet Talk, episode 23. We're out.